Good morning, Cathedral family. Let's all stand together. Welcome to Cathedral of Faith. We are in a series here that's about our core. What is it that drives us? Why do we exist as a church? You see, God has always had a dream that there would be a people here on earth who would demonstrate what it's like in heaven. He's been looking for a people that would show the world what his heart is and what his priorities are. And those are what we call our core values, the things that drive what we do, how we live, how we lead, the ministries we have, these core values we've been looking at week after week. We're going to go through them together. We're a place where everyone is. I need a little more energy. (laughs) Come on. Make people feel welcome today. Where everybody is. Where the love is. Where anything is. And where nobody is. It's right. We're a place where nobody's perfect. And that's what we're looking at this weekend. What does that really mean? What what does the Bible talk about? What are the plans of Jesus when we have a place where nobody's perfect? Now, if you go to an AA meeting, the first thing you do is say, hi, my name is John. I'm an alcoholic. And everybody says, hi, John. This weekend, it's, hi, my name is Wayne, and I'm not perfect. You guys were too enthusiastic with that one. (laughs) But it's the truth. Nobody's perfect. And this weekend, our text gives us some hope for that. In 1 John, we read these amazing words. It says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. What he says is, if you say you're not perfect, that's the truth, because if you think you are, you're a liar. But here's the hope. Because we are imperfect, we have a perfect Savior who gave the perfect sacrifice that we can be forgiven. And that that knowledge that nobody's perfect is because he is an amazing God. We're a place where nobody is perfect. Now, that can raise all kinds of questions, all kinds of concerns. But what we're going to do this weekend is unpack what was God's intention for that and what does that look like for us as a church family. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you love us perfectly, that your grace and mercy perfectly comes to us for every need. And we want to be a place that demonstrates to the world what you're really like. And so, Lord, speak your truth deep into our hearts. I pray that this weekend you would set some people free of some burdens they've been carrying. That this weekend you would set people free of some judgments and weights that they've been dragging through their life. And you would set some of us free from the way we view others. That we would see them the way you see them. That our hearts would be open. And that by the end of this service, we would all have better vision, a clarity about who you are, who we are as individuals, and who we are as a church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Was your being, being seated, amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, hi, I'm Wayne, or whatever your name is, and say, I'm not perfect. Go ahead. Some of you owe me. You've been wanting that person next to you to say that for a long time. I saw a couple of you videoing that person saying it for history. 
In your bulletin, you'll find an outline for today's message. And we put this in the bulletin so you can follow along, so you can write some notes, so you can fill in the blanks, because you're going to run into your own imperfections in the future, and you're going to run into the imperfections of others in the future, and you're going to need what this has to say. So take a moment to pull out out of your bulletin so you can follow along. You know, there were two reasons why people aren't Christians. One is... They've never seen a real Christian. They've never seen somebody who was living out the love and experienced what God's love and life is like. And so they've never come to Christ because they've never really seen it lived out. The other reason people aren't Christians is they have seen a Christian. And their holier-than-thou, judgmental, self-righteous attitude made them say, I don't want anything to do with that. But this weekend, as we unpack this truth, we're going to understand what God really intends for us in loving this community and loving one another and being a place where nobody's perfect. You see, God's called us to this lifelong journey following Jesus. When we believe in Christ, when we receive him to us, it's not just, oh, we're on this journey, let's put him in the trunk so if we get a flat tire or we hit a bumpy road, we can pull him out and he can help us. We don't put Jesus on the dashboard so like a good luck charm that, you know, he'll protect us and be with us and everything will go well. No, he wants to be in the driver's seat, directing our lives, leading us, guiding us on this lifelong journey following him. We're going to start off by looking at a passage of Scripture that's a parable that Jesus taught. But before we do that, I need your help with it. So here's what I need you to do. Whenever I say, curtain down, I want you to close your eyes. Here we go. Curtain down. I see some open eyes. Come on, close your eyes. Good. Okay, curtain up. Open your eyes. Let's try it again. Curtain down. Curtain up. Great. I think we're ready to go. Okay, curtain down. Reading from Luke chapter 18, verses 9 to 14, the story of the Pharisee and the publican. Jesus told a story to some people who were sure that they were right with God. They looked down on everyone else. And Jesus said to them, two people went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other was a tax collector. Curtain up. curtain down. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed with himself, saying, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. He said, I'm not like robbers or those who do other evil things. I, I am not like those who commit adultery, and I, of course, am not like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all that I get. Curtain up. Curtain down. But the tax collector would not even look up to heaven. He brought his hand to his heart and he prayed and said, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Curtain up. Curtain down. Then Jesus said, I tell you, the tax collector went home accepted by God, not the Pharisee. All of those who lift themselves up will be made humble, and those who make themselves humble will be lifted up. Curtain up. Curtain down. Now hear the word of the Lord. 
Those who have made Jesus the leader of their life and follow him are humble rather than prideful. They know their need for Jesus. They don't compare themselves to others. They know they aren't perfect, and they know others aren't perfect either. Curtain up. Let's say thanks to our team. Yeah. If you'll look on the inside of your bulletin, we're going to discover what is the truth in this passage of Scripture. We have the Pharisee who prays with himself, I thank you that I'm not like others. And we have the publican who humbly says, God be merciful to me, a sinner. One acknowledges they aren't perfect. One thinks they are. And one of the ways you can tell if that spirit is working in you is how much time you spend comparing yourself, well, at least I'm not like her. At least I'm not like him. Comparing, complaining, criticizing others is a sure sign that there's an understanding we need on this road following Jesus. One of the first road signs, and the blank to fill in is this. No to superiority. Say that with me. No to superiority. In the body of Christ, there is no place for us to assume that we are superior to anyone. The purpose of the gospel and knowing that none of us are perfect is that we all need a Savior and none of us have a place that we can look down on others. In fact, Paul wrote very specifically in the book of Romans these words. He says, don't think of yourself more highly than you should. Let's read that together. Don't think of yourself more highly than you should. Those are the words of Paul. Those are the words of Jesus in this parable. That when we start to think of ourselves as being better than, superior to, is when we start to get into trouble and cross the line away from recognizing that all of us are imperfect. Here's what Billy Graham once said, the ground at the foot of the cross is level. You see, when we come to the cross of Jesus Christ, whatever your sin, whatever my sin, we all are in need of a savior and we all humbly need to come before the Lord asking forgiveness. Your sin is not greater than or less than mine. The scripture says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have missed the mark. All of us have made mistakes. All of us need a savior. And so rather than saying yes to superiority by somehow proving our worth by looking down on others, the road sign that he wants us to be aware of is yes to humility. Say that with me. Yes to humility. One more time. Yes to humility. Here's what God's purpose is. When we humbly come before him, we acknowledge that that's the way of the journey following Jesus. Jesus humbled himself and came to earth. Jesus humbled himself and took on the form of a servant. Jesus humbled himself and washed feet. Jesus humbled himself and went to the cross. He paved the road for us by recognizing that it's not a spirit of superiority. It's a spirit of humility that acknowledges, I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, but we serve a perfect God who works perfectly in our lives. 
Let's go on to the next point. We're going to talk a little bit about King David. Most of you know about King David. There's two whole books in the Bible, First and Second Samuel, that carry his life. And then he wrote more Psalms than anybody else. And so what I'm going to do is unpack a little bit of King David's life. But once again, I need your help. When I say something positive, when I say something godly or obedient about David, I want you to give me a thumbs up. Everybody thumbs up. And say, you go, David. Okay, here we go. Something positive about David? Very good. If I say something is not quite so positive about him that he did, I want you to put a thumbs down and go, oh no, David. So, something not so positive? Something positive. I think you're ready to roll. So, here we go. The first one is this we have this faithful shepherd who shepherded his father's flock and shepherded the flock of Israel for God. And he wrote that amazing verse, the Lord is my shepherd. He was a loving shepherd. Good answer. Way to go. Next, we have this young man who reached down and in bravery and courage and obedience to God, picked up five smooth stones, hurled them at Goliath and defeated the Philistines. He was a mighty warrior. All right. Next, We have this amazing man who wrote psalm after psalm of worship and praise. He danced before the Lord with all of his might. He worshiped the Lord with all of his heart. He was a worship leader. You guys are doing great. We have this guy named David who had a little shortage of self-control. And as a result, committed sin with Bathsheba. He was an adulterer. Good answer. Good answer. We also have David, who, when the sin was revealed, had his mighty man, Uriah, husband of Bathsheba, killed. He was a murderer. You're right. Oh, no, David. Now, we also have, in the book of Hebrews... This amazing story of people of faith where David was declared to be faithful and full of faith. He was a man of faith. Good, 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 good. But we also have a king who when he was told by God not to count the people, he pridefully disobeyed God. He was prideful. We got one more to go here. We have this king who rather than listening to God about how to move the Ark of the Covenant, he moved it in his own way, in his own time, in disobedience to God. He was presumptuous. Now this is quite a list. We've got a loving shepherd, a mighty warrior, a worship leader, a man of faith. We have an adulterer, a murderer, a prideful, presumptuous man. Let me give you one more. He wrote in the Psalms a prayer that came from his heart. said, Lord, Create in me a clean heart. Renew within me a right spirit. Forgive me my sin. Take my transgressions that I may teach transgressors your way. He was humbly repentant. So we've got all these you go Davids and we've got these oh no Davids. I don't know about you, but is that the kind of leader you want to follow? And yet, here's what God says about David. In Acts chapter 13, we read these words. God testified concerning David, I have found a man after my own heart. What? God says, I found a man after my own heart. 
He's a mighty warrior. He's a worship leader. He's a man of faith. He's an adulterer. He's a murderer. He's a presumptuous, prideful man. But here's what happened. He knew exactly what to do when he made a mistake. He knew what to do when he wasn't perfect. It wasn't a matter of whether the king was perfect or not. It's whether he perfectly knew what to do when he did come into his imperfections. Now here's part of the problem as we go on this journey down the road. No to disqualified. No to disqualified. That's one of the road signs on this journey following Jesus. Some of us think because we blew it, we made a mistake, we missed an opportunity, we committed a transgression, we missed the mark, we feel like we're disqualified. Maybe you did it last week, maybe it was 20 years ago, and you are still beating yourself up with that baseball bat. If I could just take that back, if I could just do a mulligan on that choice, if I could just do a do-over for that week. But here's the word of the Lord. Because none of us are perfect, because you have been imperfect does not mean you are disqualified. Here's what the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 43. He says, I am he, this is God speaking, I am he who blots out your transgressions and I will not remember your sins. Wait, wait, let me read that again. Somebody needs to hear that. I am he who blots out your transgressions and I will not remember your sins. That's the powerful truth. No matter what you've done, no matter what mistakes you made, no matter what imperfections showed up in your life, you are not disqualified. Because if we will humbly repent like David and come to Jesus, there is forgiveness. Here's the amazing good news. God gone, gone, gone. Yes, my sins are gone. Buried in the deepest sea. Yes, that's good enough for me. I shall live eternally. Praise God. My sins are G-O-N-E gone. Hallelujah. The Bible says he throws them into the sea of forgetfulness and as far as the east is from the west. So far as he removed our transgressions from us. And you might be saying, Pastor Wayne, I understand that for a king, David, I understand that for you, but you don't know what I've done. You're right. I don't know what you've done, but I know what he's done. He has gone to the cross for you. And there's this great quote by Craig Rochelle that says, there is no sin too great for God's grace. Nothing. There's no sin too great for God's grace. And what happens then is instead of being disqualified, we say yes to forgiveness. Say that with me. Yes to forgiveness. Again, yes to forgiveness. God says you are not disqualified. You have not blown it. You're not forever out of the loop. He is going to offer forgiveness. Let's go back to our key verse for this weekend from 1 John. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just and he will forgive us our sins. That's who God is. We're a place where nobody's perfect, but when we come in humble repentance like King David, like the publican who knelt, when we come to God, we receive a thumbs up 
saying, you are forgiven. That's how he sees us. Let's look at the third understanding that comes from this teaching that nobody's perfect. It comes with the story of the woman caught in adultery. Now, the reality is I don't understand the title of this story nor this story. Because how did she get caught by herself? But they drag this woman before Jesus, and here's what happens. They're trying to test him, and they said, this woman was caught. Do you think she should be stoned? Jesus knelt down and rode in the sand, and one by one, the accusers walked away. When Jesus said, let the one without sin throw the first stone. And as they walked away, finally, it was just the woman and Jesus. And Jesus says, woman, where are your accusers? She says, there are none. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. Here's another understanding about being a place where nobody's perfect. The next roadside on this journey following Jesus is this. No to judgment. Say that with me. No to judgment. One more time. No to judgment. You see, it's so easy for us To grab the gavel, guilty, guilty. How could she do that? He shouldn't do that. Judging one another. Who wants a king like that? Who wants a leader? How could she do that? How could that pastor do that? How could that person do that? It's so easy for us to fall in this place. But here's what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, judge not and you shall not be judged. Let's say that together. Judge not and you shall not be judged. Now let me unpack this for just a moment. Because we live in a day of tolerance. When we're supposed to say, well, your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. But the reality is, there are some ways that lead to destruction. And these days when you say to somebody, I'm not sure that's a healthy, good choice for you. Don't judge me. Bible says you're not supposed to judge. Well, let me talk to you about what that passage really says. When he's talking to the Pharisee who has on the mask, he's calling them hypocrites. And here's why. Hypocrite, I'm going to give you a biblical insight. The word hypocrite in the Bible is actually the same word as actor. You see, in those days, what happened is they didn't have the acting skills that we have these days. So if they would have three actors, and they would just change masks. And based on the mask they wore, you know who they were. It wasn't facial expressions. It was masks. And the hypocrite was the person who wears this mask of perfection and judges from that hypocritical place, expecting of others different than what they expect of themselves. So God isn't saying you can never give anybody direction and correction and instruction because they're going to need it. But what he is saying is make sure your judgment is not self-righteous. And that's why Jesus says, let the one without sin throw the first stone. He declares that because he wants to make sure that we aren't just comparing ourselves with others. Well, I wouldn't do that sin. But he's saying, I want you to stop with the judgment and instead say yes to the love of God. Yes to love. He wants us to love. So on this journey following Jesus, it's no to superiority, but it's yes 
It's yes to humility. On this road, it's also no to being disqualified. It's yes to forgiveness. And it's no to just judging others to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. It's yes to love. Now, this weekend, I am debuting something here at Cathedral of Faith that I know all of you are going to want to rush out and buy. It's an app. It's called an IT app. It means inner thought app. And here's how it works. I can hold it up to somebody and it will tell me what they're thinking about. (laughs) Haven't you ever wished, are they telling the truth or are they lying? Are they judging me? So, Pastor Kurt, I think I'm going to have you go first. Why don't you stand up? I've always wanted to know what's really in that head. Here we go. Three, two, one. Oh, look. It's Hawaii. He's thinking about vacation. Well, you need a vacation. I hope you have a good vacation. You're going to go with Leon and Cheryl soon, aren't you? That's probably what's on your head too. All right. Well, here, isn't that a great thing? Jolie, stand up. Let's, let's see what Jolie's thinking about here. Three, two, one. Oh, steak. She's hungry. She's hungry. She wants a good steak. You go, girl. Wow, that's so cool. Laura, stand up. Let's see what Laura's thinking about. I don't know. Here we go. Three, two, one. Oh, she's thinking about Jesus. You go, girl. How many want the IT app? Wouldn't that be great to hold up to your kids and like, oh, they're lying through their teeth. Hold up to your boss. Oh, he, he really is sincere. It would be so nice to have that app, but you know what? It doesn't exist. But here's what happens. God does know our hearts. He knows what's really going on. And what happens is because we're not perfect and the people around us aren't perfect, we're going to have imperfect perceptions of them. We've got to be careful that we don't judge them inappropriately. Now, again, as I said, there's a place for proper judgment. In John chapter 7, we read these words. It says, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. So what it's saying is there's a right way to help people to keep from making mistakes. There's a right way to guide people. In fact, 1 Corinthians 2 also says, the person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. That's what this is all about. Making sure we don't judge people through human judgments, but that we see them the way God sees them. Humbly, through forgiveness, through love. Now on the back of your outline is the word of the Lord for some of us this weekend. One of these is gonna be for you. Here's the first one. Mistakes are not fatal. Say that with me. Mistakes are not fatal. Some of you have made mistakes. You know you're not perfect. You know, of all the areas of theology, when people say the existence of God, people say, prove it. When you talk about creation, people say, prove it. When you talk about future things, people say, prove it. All these areas of theology, people say, prove it. But when it comes to nobody's perfect, nobody ever says, prove it. Because all of our lives prove it every day. But here's the truth. Mistakes are not fatal. Some of you made a mistake. Again, it might be last week or it might be years ago. And when you did, you pick up this baseball bat and you keep beating yourself up. You keep disqualifying yourself. 
You keep thinking, yeah, but I did this. Yeah, but I missed that. Yeah, but I blew it there. And here's what God wants to say to you this weekend. Mistakes are not fatal. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all of our sins. Here's the next truth that you'll find on the back of your outline. No stones here. Say that with me. No stones here. Here at Cathedral of Faith, we're a place where nobody's perfect and you're not going to get a stone thrown at you here. That's what the Pharisees were planning to do. And their self-righteousness, they were ready to throw a stone at this woman to end her life. We can throw stones through criticism, through comparing, through judgment. We're here at Cathedral to walk with you on this journey following Jesus. As you move along this road to God's purposes, we're here to love you. We're here to encourage you, to extend grace and mercy and forgiveness. We're here to bless you. But I need to share with you, that doesn't mean that there won't be times when we need to give you some admonition and correction. If I see you headed for a cliff, I am not going to stand by and let you fall. This past week, Our daughter-in-law, Jessica, was in Nepal for a magazine she writes for. She took a photographer and a videographer. They were there as a team. They flew into Kathmandu and then went way up into the mountains. They were supposed to come back Friday morning. But what happened is there was some political unrest. The roads were going to be closed. Worst case, they wouldn't get through it. I mean, best case, they wouldn't get through it all. Worst case something more can happen in that kind of politically charged atmosphere. So they decided to leave the night before and drove all through the night. Let me show you a picture on the screen of what that looked like. There's the road on the left that they were on. And the middle shows you what kind of switchbacks that road had. On the right shows you what it looks like at nighttime when they went out in the fog. It was scary. You better believe I had every person I know praying for her and the team to be safe. Why? Because one slight wrong turn and they're down the ravine and that's it. Now, if you see that map there, that's more what our journey following Jesus looks like. This is a nice little road here that seems to go straight forever. But the reality is that's more what our roads are like. And if I see you coming to the edge of a cliff, I'm not going to say, oh, well, big deal. I might have to say, you know what? That's not a good way to think. That's not a good choice. You can't be doing that. That's not healthy. That's not going to lead you the right path. It's going to take you down a ravine. So yes, we don't have stones here, but we do love you and care for you. The reason we don't throw stones is because we love you. The reason we give correction and direction and insight is because we love you. You see, our role as pastors is this. We comfort the afflicted, but also... We afflict the comfortable. Our role is to help you be on that journey to follow Jesus. Let me take a little detour for a moment. Something else about this issue of nobody's perfect. It's a passage of scripture in Romans chapter 6 when Paul says this. God's grace has set us free from the law. Does that mean we can go keep on sinning? Of course not. Here's what that I want to take a caveat and a detour to talk about. Some people use that nobody's perfect as an excuse. You shouldn't be doing that. Well, nobody's perfect. Well, nobody's perfect. 
That's not intended to be an excuse. It's an atmosphere of how we care for each other, how we see ourselves through God's perspective and how we see each other. You cannot use that as an excuse for just doing whatever you want. But what we have to do is come to the Lord and pray this prayer. Lord, show me the way you see me. Let's say that together. Lord, show me the way you see me. One more time. Lord, show me the way you see me. The antidote to this process that nobody's perfect is saying, God, help me see myself the way you see me. I am your favored child. I'm your beloved daughter, your beloved son. I bring you pleasure. You love me. You care for me. You have a purpose for me. Part of the antidote to nobody's perfect is always being able to see ourselves through the eyes of Jesus. But it's also about how we view one another. We read in 1 Samuel these words that people look on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. People look on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. Here's one of the problems. The enemy loves to put lies in our life. Lies that say you're no good, nobody likes you, you never mount anything, they're out to hurt you, they can never change. There are lies the enemy puts. And let me tell you something. I have blue glasses on right now. Do you know what color you are? No, you're not. (laughs) But you look blue to me. Because through these lenses, everything's blue. And when I have a lie in my heart that somehow expects you to be perfect and me to be perfect, that lie affects how I see you. But God says, let me take off those glasses. So instead of seeing through the lies and the hurts and the pain of this world, I want you to see something differently. Jesus said these amazing words in the Gospel of Matthew. He said, freely you have received freely give. Say that with me. Freely you have received, freely give. Freely you receive forgiveness, give forgiveness. Freely receive mercy, give mercy. Freely you receive love, give love. Freely you receive blessings, give blessings. This is the guideline for what the kingdom of God looks like lived out in all of us, a place where nobody's perfect. It was that we freely give that love and grace and forgiveness to one another. That's what he desires for us. That's what he wants this place to be. And that's why we pray this next prayer that says this, Lord, show me the way you see them. Show me the way you see them. That's the prayer of someone who acknowledges that they're not perfect. Because when we do that, all of a sudden, we see differently. All of a sudden, we see people the way Jesus sees them. We see them with a heart of compassion. We see them with love. We see them with forgiveness. We recognize they're not perfect, and God is working in every single person. So God, open my eyes. Show me the way that you see them. These are the foundations to being a people where nobody's perfect. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads with me in this moment. Some of you may have never stepped across the line to make Jesus the leader of your life. You feel like you're disqualified. The things you've done, the mistakes you've made, the sins you've committed, how could God ever love me? But you need to know He does. He loves you perfectly and completely. 
And when you walk this road toward him in humble repentance, saying, God, forgive me for my sin, he immediately takes them away as if they never existed. They are gone. Some of you may have received Christ, but you've made mistakes. You've proved that nobody's perfect. And in some senses, you feel disqualified. You feel like, I don't deserve blessing. I don't deserve forgiveness. I don't deserve faith. I, I, I'm not perfect. But here's the freeing truth. None of us are perfect. But we have a perfect Savior who loves us perfectly just the way we are. I'm going to invite everyone to pray this prayer. But I believe especially today, some of you are watching online. Some of you are going to watch this sermon weeks and months from now online. Some of you are here on the property. You've picked up a baseball bat and you keep beating yourself up and beating yourself up. I can't believe I did that. Why did I do that? I'm so dumb. I'm so stupid. But no, you're just imperfect like the rest of us. And the minute you call out to Jesus, you are forgiven. I invite everyone to pray with this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me just the way I am. I don't have to prove that I'm perfect because I know that I'm not. I need you. I need a savior. I cannot save myself. Forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for my imperfections. Help me to see myself the way you see me. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's just give God thanks and praise. You are forgiven. You are his child. You are his beloved. He loves you and cares for you. But I'm going to ask you to keep your heads bowed for just a moment. Because some of us are in that pharisaical mindset right now. We are judging people and we feel like we have every right to criticize their behavior. They might be sinners. They might be people who claim to be saints. And we keep saying, how could they do that? I can't believe that happened. I would never do that. And God wants to deal with that spirit of judgment in us. So Lord, right now, show us the way you see them. There's not a single person that you're not working in right now. And even though we don't like their behavior, even though it's not perfect, even though it's sinful, you want us to see them the way you see them. Show us how to pray for those who use us and bless those who curse us and lift up those who do wrong. That this would be a place that because nobody's perfect, the love is lived out. Your love is lived out. Sometimes, Lord, we recognize the very person that we have an attitude and an issue with in our spirit is because the enemy is trying to drive a wedge between us and them because, God, you know that we have the love they need. And the enemy is trying to harden our heart toward them. But, Lord, show us the way you see them. Show us how to humbly, with hearts of forgiveness, freely give what we've received in love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's give God thanks and praise for his faithfulness. Amen.